On this episode of Resi Week, what's smart about smart homes? Home indoor air quality is worse than your office and indoor air quality monitors. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 317. I love this job. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Just Add Power, the global leader in video over IP solutions with systems that give you easy installation, unmatched scalability, and outstanding performance. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matty Scott for AV Nation. TV. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my longtime friends. First, we have Mr. Jeremy Glowacki. He's the executive editor of Residential Tech Today. How you doing, Jeremy? Uh, I'm doing well. You know, I'm uh, I'm fighting a non-COVID cough, so I apologize if I don't get to the cough the cough button fast enough. But right. can you can you have a cough that isn't COVID? I don't think that's uh, yeah, bad. it's weird. I, I, we had COVID in the family, and my daughter and I never got it. And I've we've got a ton of these tests and. I keep thinking if I could just get it, then I wouldn't worry about it anymore. But I, <laughs> I, I, I think that the uh, the other stuff still happens. You still get colds, <laughs> oddly. That's, that's what I'm told. That's what I'm told. Well, I'm I'm glad you're joining us, and hopefully uh, you won't cough too much. <laughs> I have a cough button. I think uh, I do which too. Is fantastic. Yeah, I think I need to find it's that. Great. It's great. And uh, we it, today's a special day because oh no yeah oh no uh, you're going to get to meet. My producer, Mitchell Tulin. He is uh, the producer of my show and Tim's shows and pretty much the head producer of every show here on Aviation. Uh, Mitchell, how you doing, bud? Oh, it's great. Thanks for having me. Finally, you know, first time, <laughs> first time caller, long time watcher. Uh, yeah, it's good. Long time watcher. I'm yeah. happy to be here and I'm excited. It's first and last show probably and... <laughs> no, we're gonna we're we're gonna make this like a monthly thing. It'll be great, Mitchell. I feel like, you know, when I've got a podcast coming up with you guys, that that there's a lot of pressure because I know you choose the stories, and if sometimes I'm a guest and there's no story from Residential Tech today, I feel like, <laughs> man, I didn't make the cut with Mitchell. I, I got to work yeah. harder and better and all that stuff. Got to write better. <laughs> that bias ends up where I'm like, Jeremy's here. I should probably choose a Res Tech thing. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> then it's really bad when you don't because you know that. There's just not anything good that week. So, but think, thankfully, there's one story. So, what you're figuring out, if if you're listening and or watching, is that if you want to get a story on the show, don't send it to me. Send it to Mitchell, because he's the one who finds <laughs> everything for us. All right, gentlemen, let's let's kick this off, um, and uh, I'll give Mitchell a fun disclaimer as well. He's worked with us at Aviation for what five years now? Three, three years. It just okay. seems like five, Matt. It's- I, I lost the last two years, so I have no idea. That's fair. So he has not worked in the industry directly in that sense. But again, like he reads stuff every week for this show, for AV Week. He probably knows more about this stuff than half of y'all do. So pay attention. All right, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from Residential Systems. <laughs> we'll get to the one from ResTech, don't worry. What's so smart about smart homes? A look at what consumers expect from their smart homes and how custom installers can expand their views. Um, Read through this article. 
it actually is a really good thought provoker. Uh, there's some really good quotes in here from Ian Bryant, as well as Peter Aylett, uh and Rich Green, a couple of gentlemen who are involved with CD in a couple of different ways, talking about, you know, what the user perception is of a smart home and what actually makes a smart home. And as you can imagine, it's going to differ depending who you talk to. Um, Jeremy, I, I want to start with this on this on or with you on this. Sorry, I'm having a day. Um, does this highlight the fact that everything is so subjective to the people involved? My view on what a smart home in is going to differ from yours and Mitchell's and every single one of my clientele. Their definition is going to change depending on what they've read, heard about, saw on TV, listened to me drone on about, et cetera, et cetera. Does this just go to highlight that every user expectation is going to be different? And as a as an integrator, as an industry, we have to recognize that the majority of those opinions honestly are valid. Well, yeah, I mean, it, you have to to understand going in that uh, that folks may even have a, a resistance to something being called a smart home because it seems like your your home is going to be smarter than you in a bad way. Like it's going to go off the rails and start doing things you don't want it to do at the wrong times of day or whatever. Uh, something as simple as as lighting control. Um, ha, I, I, we, we've got a, a product in our industry that we've kind of all been playing with. It's pretty new, called Oro. Um, it's a kind of a smart lighting product. It started as a DIY product, and then they realized it wasn't really a good fit for DIY, so they're they're embracing the Cedia channel, um, custom integration business, and. Uh, first time I installed it, my wife really didn't like the um, the the sensor sort of aspect to it. She didn't really want it to turn on when she was going to the bathroom at night and the lights came on. And it was only because I hadn't properly set it up yet and told it not to turn on in certain times. But I think when things start happening that you aren't expecting or it's out of the routine, you, you start to kind of get a little reluctant to have this quote unquote smart home. Um, but it's become kind of the, the lexicon that we've had to lean on the most common thing. No one really says integrated home outside of our custom integration industry. Like the most average consumers don't talk like that. Um, and this article is really good about that saying it's, it's so hard to, to really spell out what this industry should be called. And so you just kind of fall back on something like smart home. And it does mean a lot of different things to different people. What I really liked about this, uh, one of the couple of the comments is that what it's evolved into, it's not the Jetsons anymore. It's not like automatically walking your dog or something like that. It's, it's really about um, remote um, access so that if you're away from your home to be able to have some way of checking on the status of your home. And it's also about reliability and having things work the way they're supposed to work and have the network stay online when you need it. And um, really about some of those ideas and making your home um, more reliable and do do the things that you need it to do uh, to be productive with your work from home, your school from home, 
your entertainment and all of that stuff. So that's the smart part. It's not the home automation that we used to think it was going to become necessarily. Although, hey, having having some shades that open at a certain time of day or close at a certain time of day, I think that would be a pretty smart thing to have in, in a home, in an integrated home. So there are some smart capabilities, and it's just a matter of telling folks what those are and what they can be, what they shouldn't be, based on your experience as a professional. I agree a lot because I feel like there's definitely that subjectivity about what smart means. And to me, that smartness is like, it's more proactive than reactive. A lot of our stuff right now is reactive. You yell at the vote, the generic voice assistant so we don't activate any of them and say, hey, turn on the lights. Hey, it's <laughs> cold in here. Turn the thermostat, mess with it. It doesn't really, there's stuff like occupancy sensors um, and certain um, metrics that it can take. I know that I want to say Nest has a thing where it kind of starts to regulate where your temperature is and make a schedule around it. That would be, to me, a smarter mm -hmm. thing. But when you say, oh, it's a smart house, you're like, so it can do stuff. And you're like, more like you tell it to. And and I think that that is kind of where where our, our things lie. Well, isn't that the point, though, that really anything can be quote-unquote smart, but nothing really is. Almost everything, even to Jeremy's point, the, the shades going up and down. Typically, that's not accomplished via a sensor that senses sunlight, although it can be done like that. It's typically done by programming, where you're running an astronomical clock, and the integrator has programmed that device to do that thing for you. Almost nothing that's actually in our homes actually has really any AI yeah. or machine learning, right? It, it's almost all based on something that we've programmed based off information that we've gleaned from a customer to say, hey, we want this in our house. We want our house to respond this way. I love that you use that that phrasing, Mitchell, because that's really what it is. We're, we're having things in a house respond to things that we've either told it to do or based on a parameter. Nothing, again, with the exception of like Nest and a couple other really DIY products, nothing is actually doing anything itself. It's doing it in a response to something we've programmed or something that we've told it to do. Yeah, and and you know that's why I kind of thought of that Oro example because they really are promoting the AI aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And when I first got it, I kind of turned off all of those features because I was I kind of a little freaked out about it. I didn't know if I liked My wife hated it. It's too. always a thing where you're like, I know better than you, house. I live here. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't trust that it was going to actually. And I've I've had to just because I had to review it, I had to kind of try it out and and let those features work. And I'm I'm still I'm not sure I'm convinced that it's working yet. It's still hard to decide if it's learned some of my routines quite yet. Um, I feel like it is. I feel like when I walk into a room now at night that it doesn't turn on 100% when it's turned off from lack of activity. Um, so that's kind of cool because what would happen is I'd walk into my office because it's where I have one of the dimmers back here. Mm -hmm. And it would go 100% when I'd come in to grab a charger cable or something off my desk. And I was like, yeah, I don't have my lights 100% anywhere in the house at like 9 p.m. Yeah. So I would hit it down a notch trying to train it. And now I feel like when I come in, it comes on at like 80%. So that's cool. It's starting to learn some routines. 
But mm-hmm. then there's a time when you need it 100. percent It's like it's never going to read your mind. It's never going to be perfect. So there's still things when that I, I, are weird. I think that's the hardest thing with anything that is quote unquote an automated home, a smart home. The number of sensors and f- data pieces you're going to need for it to understand that hey, when I'm running to your point, you know, running downstairs to grab something out of the fridge versus running downstairs to watch a movie. It, it nothing can figure that out unless I'm an incredible creature of habit and run downstairs at six o'clock to grab something out of the fridge to help, you know, my wife make dinner every single day. And then every night at nine o'clock, we go downstairs and watch a movie, right? Those are like, I, I think we're asking way too much of most smart devices. Yeah. And I mean, real, real quick though, like what, what would be other than lighting control where I guess you're trying to save a little bit of energy. Like you're, you're really like just nodding. I, I love having control for lighting control where I have it set to a scene for that time of night. Night mode dims down certain mm-hmm. rooms, but I still want the rooms lit. I want lighting throughout the house still. Don't want things just to turn off when I'm not in the room. Um, what other, I guess, heating and air conditioning, HVAC stuff, Curious from an integration standpoint, Matt. What what you what would you think could be automated blinds? Blinds and lights are the big ones. Um, HVAC is huge. Um, there's all kinds of things. Like we've had clients where we've again programmed things, but we program you know TVs in the office to come on at five thirty to you know uh, business news mm. or um, CNBC or you know whatever it is. Um, Because they're day traders and they want that to happen. We've got, you know, so there's a, there's a variety of things, but, you know, typically it's not like, I don't want to walk around my house and have stuff just randomly happening. Yep. I, there are certain things that I want to happen, but, and, and I've said this a couple of times on the show, we've taken our voice assistant out of the house Mm. and it's been awesome. And I have an industry one that's behind me that's still in a box that I need to take out and play with. But I really love not having something yelling at me in my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been great. It almost is like the perception is there. You have the smart and of course people go with what it is. So in a way, integrators are the greatest showmen in that we're, it's a yeah. lot of smoke and mirrors and it's a lot of very calibrated it, it's all... things. And that's just what we have to do. I say we, a royal we, like integrators, you guys have to do is to kind of show, of course, it's not going to be AI. It's not going to be artificial intelligence. And most people don't want that because they go back to those fiction where it's like Skynet and things. Mm-hmm. AI is never really a good thing in the mind of fiction. But when you look at the smart home and just say things will just work, which is never, it's not 100% uncertainty either. But it's up to the integrator no. to kind of get that get that message across to say like it'll work. You just gotta, and we'll help you. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest key. It, it it's very similar to the the lawsuit that caused Apple and and Samsung to display on the bottom of their little commercials that sequences are shortened because we think that so much stuff is going to happen automatically, and it's happening because we told it to do it when you want, when you expect it to happen automatically. All right, let's change topics for a moment. Uh, This comes to us from CE Pro. A study finds that indoor air quality is often worse in your home than it is in your office. 
uh, this should shock literally no one. Now, specifically because they're saying offices. If they were saying workplaces, different. But offices, this should shock no one. Um, and the reason for that is because in an office, you actually have to follow a bunch of codes as far as when fresh air is exchanged into that building. All this other stuff comes into play that never really happens in your residential space. Mitchell, I, I, I'm going to start with you on this one. There is a ton of information in, in here, and it goes through a lot of things dictating what the quality inside offices and homes looks like at different times based on participants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it does sort of talk about why that happens um, and, and why the difference is so strong. But beyond that, once we, once we know this, is there a way that we can actually address this? Is this something that, you know, we, we've talked in the channel a bit about indoor air quality and how we need to monitor it and be aware of it. But this is really uh, something for the HVAC community from a application standpoint. There shouldn't be any integrators putting a life breath system into a home. So what do we do with this information? Can we do anything with this information? Or is this just one of those things of, hey, again, we can pull a data set and then use that to hopefully encourage our, our HVAC partners to better the air quality in somebody's home? Or, I don't know, do something crazy like open a window. I, yeah, I don't. It's it's interesting. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm fascinated. First off, you did say read the article, and I tried to read the MDPI, like, official thing, and I... I think my brain cracked. It's, it's, so it's, it's a lot of numbers and stuff. And I, cause I was trying it's to a find lot out of numbers because I, and this is my, this is why I'm not a professional. Cause I didn't think of code and things. My, my first thought was factors like when you're living at home, just in my example alone, I have two dogs, two cats, any given week, there are nephews and nieces running around. There are, there's cooking laundry going on. A lot of things are happening mm -hmm. in the home and in the office, I come here, I do my work, I stare at the clock until it's time to go, and then I run away. I No, I love this job. I <laughs> will... Good save. Offices are, are generally bigger. They have industrial strength HVAC systems, like you have, like you say. Mm -hmm. It's kind of... What I find interesting in that way where the integrators come in is that it reminds me of the work-from-home situation where people just thought... Oh, we'll just take our our microphones or our things, and we'll just plop them into into our house, and it works. And it doesn't. Here, it's a weird innate thing. You can't you can change the stuff in your home, but it's not as easy as and it's and it's there. It's been there. It's not a yeah. situation where oh, we're forcing one thing into another. Your area is kind of there. But I will say, it, it does. It, it, you it, it feels like a gotcha kind of article. I've, like it almost feels like it's calling out people like David Danto who are saying remote work is the is the future and it's and it's beautiful and everyone loves it. It doesn't feel like that exactly because it's still as far as I can tell it's the the air quality part is worse but it's not dangerous. It never reached to that level of like of where you should be yeah. panicking and I I just I feel like it's a good resource to have if you I guess are an integrator and can say, here, look at this. We can, we can show you that this is not quite there and maybe we can 
put something in to to help with that. Jeremy, there there's so much in this conversation around, you know, when they started building residential homes tighter, right? From a from an airflow, right? That was deemed to be better and it took them 10 to 20 years to realize, oh yeah, when we build it really tight, we don't get any fresh air. So now we got to put in life breath, um, which if you don't know life breath, it's the big boxes that are cold to hot uh, air exchange. Um, they go in the basements or the, the furnace rooms of a lot of buildings. Um, that became a big deal and that became something that is prevalent in the majority of homes. They have something like that. Commercial spaces, again, anything that's been built or renovated recently, there is a ton of code around the air quality in a commercial environment and how often they have to bring in and recycle that air. Heck, COVID alone uh, in Ontario for a place like a dental office required that they recycle the air in a dental room 10 times an hour, which is obscene Mm -hmm. and ridiculously next to impossible to achieve. Um, But that being said, there's just, there's so much more knowledge around how that goes. If you've ever left your house to go to a trade show and took your family with you, when you close your house and then come back two days later, it is typically this nasty bastion of stale, ridiculous air. How do we go about finding ways to promote this, promote better air quality in the home? Or again, is is this even our fight to to fight? Yeah, so I <clears throat> I discovered this uh, PBS show and interviewed the host to the of the show. They're, they're Corbett and Grace Lunsford. The show is called Home okay. Diagnosis, um, and they run this thing called the Building Performance Workshop. I'd never seen the show before, but Corbett was a guest speaker at a booth at the Builder Show a couple weeks ago. So I got a press release because I was going to go to the show and I ended up not going, but I uh, got an interview with him and, and Grace. And they this the show, if you find it on uh, on the web, uh, on their website, you can see all the past episodes that appear on PBS and some hour that I must not be watching TV because I've never seen it. <laughs> they're out of Atlanta and their, their main thing is kind of doing the science of the home. Um, Mm-hmm. The, it, it's really interesting. It also kind of freaks you out, and you start thinking, "My God, I'm, my home is so unhealthy. I'm, I'm breathing in. My house is killing me." Yeah, you know, and they're not like that, but they're going in, and they do case studies. They go into a home in Chicago that just got renovated. They spent tons of money, got the new HVAC system, but they bought too powerful of a system for the size of the ductwork because it's a retrofit. So in fact, it's not performing better, even though they put more performance in. And what you're finding is that these folks, they find that one or two really smart HVAC guy in that community. I don't know Mm -hmm. how they find them, but they do. And it's the guy that understands all this stuff. He's been doing it for a long time and he's learned lessons over the years like guys do in our business. Um, Veterans that have the wisdom of making mistakes and uh, knowing when products can't solve it, when it's just it's a bad fit for the home or whatever it is. And uh, a lot of it just comes down to filtration, having a good filter you know, making sure you're changing the filter out, not getting too thick of a filter, which is actually going to burn out your your HVAC system. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but my God, it, it is so much pressure as a homeowner to know how to do this stuff. How, you, you realize almost by uh, error every time. Like you, if you're in a home that has high water table and you have a sump pump, uh, and you forget that you need, or you don't realize you need a battery backup for when you have a big storm situation, the power goes out, and then you have a basement flood, and then you've got a mold situation, and it turns into this and that. And the, these folks were really interesting to talk to, but uh, when it comes down to the to the physics, chemistry, and micro, microbiology of homes, sometimes um, less is more. It's like it's as simple as having a filter. Um, I do think having sensors might be a, a way we have a story that we we're gonna maybe get to about this thing called air things uh, this brand i'm gonna drop it right now just for fun but what was interesting about that i started reading through that and like okay and i post i'm, I'm the one that posted this uh this product story but well, a lot of times what they're talking about trying to sense in the home it's like for city dwellers who are exposed to pollutants such as construction activity vehicle exhaust airborne chemicals mm -hmm. Most of us in the suburbs aren't having those problems. It's a very unique thing. Or you're in a wildfire-prone area. These are obvious contaminants. It's not like you're just average pet dander and things like that, that we're probably going to be more likely to be um, you know, dealing with. But <clears throat> So I don't think that the need for some of these things is, is all that um, um, high level. It's just... Radon is one of those things that you need to be aware of and having a filter changed out of your furnace. So, and that's, you know, uh, we're going to segue into this just for a quick second because it is really interesting to me. This is on resitechtoday.com um, and it's the Air Things View Plus Pollution Center Sensor, sorry, that monitors indoor air quality, shows pollution and radon. And I'm, I, I'm happy that you brought up the suburbs because everyone, to your point, thinks, oh, it's the city where they're dealing with construction and, and smog and everything that we know L.A. and New York deal with. But radon is something that you find stinking everywhere. And you don't have to have a basement that has an unexcavated space to have radon. You can literally just have a basement and get radon. So once you get a sensor like this, Jeremy, what do we do with it? Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know if there's any integration. I think we're at an early stage here of talking healthy home in our industry. And honestly, we always turn to lighting. Um, and I just got back from uh, Lightapalooza that was an HDSA sponsored event about installing lighting and, and it's dealing with LED lighting that's it's more like outdoor lighting than it is artificial lighting and that's quote unquote healthy home but when it gets into like hvac stuff i think we're getting you've got to have a partnership with that hvac contractor and let them be the experts in that part of the of the integrated home because you know maybe you're you're tying in the hvac controls to a control four system or restaurant system whatever it is but uh, after that, unless you're really into science and learning about stuff that's out of your normal wheelhouse, I think you you, you depend on another expert, which is hopefully that that really informed HVAC contractor. I don't think that's an area we want to get into, honestly. Yeah. 
Mitchell, I'll give you the last word on this. Oh, don't do that. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> going to do that. It's fun. I'm, I'm really intrigued with this. I, I kind of want to order one. But at the same time, I look at it and go, it reminds me of a brand new version of the little like humidity sensor gauge needle thing temperature combo that every one of our parents probably had sitting on a table somewhere. I had the little needle as the humidity rose. Is this just another thing that we're going to get a sensor for, put it on the wall or put it on a table and go, hey, look, I, I could see what the pollution in my house is and never do like do never do anything with it. Is it info for info's sake? Yes. Next question. <laughs> Good one. Well, thanks for coming I've on the show today. I always to do that. Uh, yeah, I, the, the part that does intrigue me is the, always with a sensor is what to do with that. Measuring is important to an extent when you're anything with like, you know, you have a smoke alarm, we have CO2 alarms now Mm -hmm. that are separate from that. And I think this one also does have CO2 capabilities. I think it's a, it does. So it does kind of add on to that rather than just another one in there, but it's, that that is kind of the part where you're like, okay, clearly, if you, if there's a gas leak in your house, you go, maybe we should fix that before we all pass out. Um, and this is this is the part that I have not entirely researched of what do you do if there's radon in your place? I I'm not sure. You get it eradicated. Okay. It's a thing. Yeah. So yeah, it you get it a lot from sump pumps out, honestly. Unless you're intensely, unless you're in an area, which I'm also learning that the EPA has an entire map of the spectrum of, of places that are in. If you're in a, if you're in a dangerous spot, maybe consider it. Um, otherwise, I don't think this is a general, consumer kind of thing. It's very specialized. Um, I mean, it does also have the, the particulate fine particulate matter, um, sensor in it as well, which is neat but ultimately it comes down to what you would do after you find these measurements it's it's less about the yeah. the thing is neat but you have want a solution afterwards fortunately we all have a bunch of masks now so maybe you just pop on oh, one of yeah. those and just live like that for a while i don't know like, <laughs> i don't know if it works for radon no probably not radar but we, probably not. maybe for cat dander no. Oh, Ooh, yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. Congratulations, Mitchell. You made it through oh, your first show. Boy. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, uh, if people, Mitchell, if people want to connect with you, learn more about AV Nation, find your musings or drawings. Um, yeah, I pitched that for you. Um, where can they do that? No, I'm going to take a Tim on this one. Don't search for me on the Twitters because <laughs> it's not, it's art. And if you're an AV person and you like art, then that's cool. But otherwise, I, I, I don't even do it anyways. Instead, I mean, if you want to hear my voice for whatever reason, there's a show called Daily Download, which on AV Nation that covers a snippet of AV information five times a week. Um, and then I'm going to take a page from Richie and just say, check out, just check out avnation.tv. Check out our underwriters, because for purely selfish reasons, that's the way I get paid. Um, so, <laughs> and also it helps us out. You get a shows like Resi week. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And if you are trying to find him on Twitter, just look for people chirping me. He'll be one of them. Oh yes. And if you want to be on the uh, show, I should probably actually do that. 
Um, my email is mtulin at conferencetech.com because we're part of CTI now. If you want to join the show or if you have people or have interesting stories or just want to yell at me and I'll yell and I'll relay it back to Matt. Thank you for joining. I appreciate it. Jeremy, if people want to connect with you, learn more about residential tech today, uh, catch your latest episode of your podcast, where can they do that? Uh, the website is restechtoday.com, and the podcast is called Residential Tech Talks, and you can find that on Apple Podcasts or even links to it on our website, where we uh, we did interview those folks I was just talking about, uh, Lonsford's, for last week's podcast. And this week, uh, an Aviation um, sponsor was my guest. Uh, we just got off the line a bit ago, and that's Taft Strickland from uh, our, our, our friends at Just Add Power. So. We love yeah, Taft. and I I I, uh, I kind of jumped off of that one to get to this one, and uh, there was so much more we could have talked about. I really wanted to get into those fun parties they host at Cedia. <laughs> we did talk about which one was his favorite, and uh, I found out an interesting piece of information about Taft. Do you know he's such a big Van Halen fan that he changed his middle name to Van? Mm-hmm. I did not know yeah. that. I can that believe was crazy. it. Yep, he is a massive Van Halen fan. Yeah, like big does not even describe it. All right, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 